and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're very pleased to be joined by Billy McLaughlin, who is a private buyer. Andrew, this is where you tune down <laughs> Sorry, the music. I'm in charge of the music today, people. I'm in the recording studio in Christchurch. Ed's in Auckland, and I've uh, just spent the last half an hour figuring out how to connect to the interweb. We are in lockdown at the moment, and so we are recording remotely, which we don't tend to do. So please forgive any technical blunders that may be induced by Andrew. But we are very pleased today to be joined by Billy McLaughlin, who is a private buyer. Now, this is going to be a banger of an episode, and we have Billy for the next three. Now, if you recall, in yesterday's episode, we had Slade Hocking, friend of the show and real estate agent, talk about why you might like to consider a real estate agent if you are selling your home. Now, Billy's got a totally different view on this, which is going to be really valuable to hear, because you will have heard us talk on the show before about those annoying people who drop letters into your mailbox saying I want to buy your house off you I want to buy your house off you that's Billy <laughs> and so Billy's going to come on the show and talk to us about his strategy why he's dropping letters in your mailbox and what you need to consider around this because I do think we've probably been a wee bit tough on private buyers in the past but they definitely do have their place which we're going to explore today in this episode. So just walk us through, Billy, what is a private buyer and how do you make money? Essentially, a private buyer is someone who is in the business of buying properties and selling properties or developing. There are different types of private buyers. You've got buying flippers, you've got buy, renovate and hold, you've got bird doggers who find deals and trade developers, you've got developers, and then you've also got your neighbours or family members who are going into family sort of transactions. So depending on the strategy the private buyer has will determine how they make their money. So a flipper would buy, renovate and flip for a margin. A buy and holder is looking to buy for cash flow and yield. And developers are looking for prime development land to build as many townhouses as they possibly can and then sell on the open market. And which one are you, Billy? So primarily, I'm a buy and flipper with the intention to get into buy and hold long term. So we're doing both. We're buying, we're fixing and we're flipping. We're buying, we're fixing, we're holding. And we're also doing a bit of trading from time to time. But most of our transactions at the moment are buy and flip so in this market. Billy, how does that work from a tax perspective then? Because you'd be what's considered tainted. So anything that you buy to keep, you're going to have to keep for 10 years if you don't want to pay tax on the profits. You're going to have to keep for 10 years after you've ended your trading. Is that right? That's right. And with that, I guess, Andrew, it's just paying to play. That's the price that we've got to pay. And with the tax liability, it's obviously calculated into our sum before making investment decisions. We yep. know we're going to have to pay tax. We know we have to pay a lot of it. And that's just part of the game. Yeah. Just one thing to note as well, Andrew, what's interesting is because the Bright Line test has been extended to 10 years, technically there's no additional cost right now to being a flipper because the test is going to be 10 years and currently uh, the tainted test on, is no. 10 years yes, as well. Yes, but 10 years from after you exhaust your activities, right? Because if you keep a property for... Oh, no, no, you're right. No, no, we need to explain this to people at home because you are right that properties previously were tainted and we're going down a rabbit hole that we didn't expect to, but you always love to ask the tax question first, Andrew. 
But previously, when the Brightline test was five years, if you were a developer or a trader and then you purchased a property with the intention of buying and holding that, your Brightline test was 10 years. We haven't seen any Treasury advice at this moment saying that that's going to be extended to 20 years or double the new Brightline test, which is just an interesting thing to note. But what I really want to dig on more is the way that people sell their homes to a private buyer. And then we'll talk about in a couple of episodes time whether people listening to the show should become one. Just walk us through, Billy. You are purchasing properties privately off somebody. So you're knocking on their door, dropping a letter in their mailbox, hoping that they're going to sell a property to you. How likely is it that a homeowner is going to get less money if they come to you versus going through a real estate agent? That's an interesting question, Ed. Now, if you were to look at the data, the data will suggest it's likely that you are going to get less through selling to a private buyer. However, in some cases, selling to a private buyer versus going on the open market can be beneficial to the seller. Now, this comes down to their circumstances. Selling your property on the open market, it takes time. It costs money with commissions and fees. But most of the time, the biggest objection that we have with the sellers are it's the time. And it's also uncertain. So compared to having a private buyer come and make an unconditional offer on your property, you've got absolute certainty. You know exactly how much money you're going to get. You know when that money is going to come in versus going to the open market, that agent's word who's given you appraisal. Maybe you've spoken to a few and then really, or you're just dropping your property into an auction room and hoping for the best. I guess to answer your question, Ed, if, if there was a property on Fendleton Road, if you were to sell that property privately, then most likely you will get less if you sold to a private buyer. Private buyers are not for everyone. They're for a certain type of seller who are looking to really have a change in their circumstance or move from where they are in their life to where they want to be. And sometimes speed can be more important than money and as well as certainty. So if you were able to come make an offer to somebody and settle relatively quickly, what are those situations where it would work for for somebody versus somebody who's happy to wait? So who needs that speed? We deal with a lot of people who are... In Christchurch particularly, people who have had an earthquake damaged house, now they've been through the ringer for the past 10 plus years with EQC and insurance and they've just had enough. They've been dicked around by everyone else. They just want the problem solved. So we deal with a lot of that here in Christchurch. People just want to sell their properties. Again, with the private buying market, a lot of the properties that we deal with have structural issues, cosmetic issues, fire damage, leaky homes. These properties it's real tough to sell on the market. People get mucked around a lot. Agents sometimes don't disclose everything. Sale and purchase agreements crash and therefore not providing the result to the seller. So again, it comes down to circumstance, whether it be the condition of your house, maybe poor health or medical conditions. Some people don't want to deal with real estate agents, Ed, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, people want certainty. Now, just to confirm, we are going to come back to being a private buyer, but we really want to focus this episode on somebody selling to a private buyer so we can compare it with a real estate agent. What I want to know, Billy, as well, is, well, how much less might somebody walk away with if they use a private buyer? So, of course, if you go privately, you sell to somebody like yourself, somebody else looking to purchase privately, you're not going to have to pay real estate agents fees. So you're going to save, you know, three to four, 
5% there, depending on who you're using. You know, is it closer to 5, 10, 20K that you're going to not walk away with as much as? Or is it so much that you don't want to say? Yeah, funny you ask. I looked into the data, and the data suggests that it's you 10 to 15% less. But if you take an example, say a $500,000 house, you want to sell it, and let's say a private buyer comes along and offers you 10% less. That $450,000, that could be an unconditional contract that could be closed within seven days. You have your money right there in the pocket. Versus if you were to take that same $500,000 property, take it to the open market, the agent's going to promise you or hope that you would get $500,000. And let's say you did, right? Let's say you did get $500,000. Yes, that's going to take time. You're going to have to put it on the market. You're going to have to go through the process. You're going to have to list it. You're going to have to clean it. You're going to have to go through your open home. And then let's just say you sell it. You get a sale of $500,000. Take your agent fees off that. Let's say $20,000 for agent fees being conservative. You're left with $30,000 potentially being left on the table. But what you need to take into consideration is the amount of time that it takes to get to that result. Now, during that six to eight week period, Maybe you were trying to buy your dream house in the meantime. Maybe a business opportunity came up. What does that $30,000 really mean? What are you really trying to achieve? So it's not always about the amount you get in the pocket. It's where is the capital going next? And also, like I said, with the properties that we deal with, a lot of them need work. A lot of them have problems. A lot of them have issues because that's where the opportunities are for us, for the private buyers out there. So, I mean, if you were to say, 10 to 15%, I mean, across the average, it'd be a pretty fair estimate. I'm actually surprised, Billy, that it's that much because I remember in yesterday's episode, Slade often talked about, oh, there's a 15% difference between properties sold privately and one sold to the open market with a real estate agent. And I've always been quite sceptical of that. Well, how would you How would you know? I assume, well, it's just the average price. Right. But the thing that you would assume is that a property being sold through a real estate agent might be a higher quality property than yes. somebody who is selling privately and therefore wants to maximise their sale or decrease their costs. In practice, do you see that kind of 10 percentage point difference? Like, are you purchasing properties that would otherwise sell for 600K, for instance, for $540,000? Are you really able to do that in practice, Billy? The truth is, the private buyers that are buying these properties off market are literally like, look, we've got to look at it as a business. So a property that needs work, property that needs renovation done to that property, we're obviously taking those costs into account. The same people who are going to be buying these properties that need work on market are the same people that are buying them off market. The calculations, the profit margins don't change. The cost of building, the cost of materials, they don't change. So we sort of see the cost of the value add, the cost of the renovation needs to be taken into consideration when making that offer. We want to offer the best amount possible to the client, but at the same time, we need the dollars and cents to make sense for our business too. And it's all about meeting in the middle and making it work for everyone. So I guess just to, to summarise this in terms of the pros and cons, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, just so I can make sure I've got this in my head right, Billy. The pros of using a private buyer, cash flow, you get that money straight away for your house rather than having to wait. If there's any emotional tie to your property because of earthquakes or let's say I've just been divorced and I need to sell my family home quickly, I can move on from those emotions quickly. Maybe I might be able to 
negotiate some good settlement terms with you as a private buyer so that I can then go and purchase my next property at the right time. But then conversely, on the other side, the concept seems to me is that I've potentially got a lower price. And maybe, and this was something that Slade brought up that was quite interesting, less information. Because I haven't gone to market, I don't really know what the quote unquote market price for my property is. Is that kind of a fair assessment of the pros and cons? Yeah, it is. I just like the pros of selling privately. You've also got little to no cost. So you're not paying those agents fees. You're not paying those commissions, which we've already touched on. And if you can't get the result that you want off market, you can always go to the market. So you can always test the private market. You can always get an indication of where that value might be. And if that doesn't work, you know, you've got a plan B of going to the open market. Again, a lot of people really don't like open homes. People hate them. People hate having to leave their property, make sure their property's clean twice a week, having people through. That's another bonus. So let me ask you this, Billy. If you were able to settle on these properties because you've got the cash flow to be able to do it, where have you got all this money from? Are you rich? Oh, I wouldn't say rich, Ed, but a lot of these private buyers, they have, they, they have portfolios. A lot, of, a lot of them have a track record in real estate. They have their own portfolios. They have equity they can release, or they've got businesses that provide cash. They've got their rental income that provide cash flow. So they're in advantageous positions to make sharp, clean, fast offers and really offer something different in the marketplace, something that you wouldn't be able to get on the market. Definitely. And look, again, I think it's important to note what you'd said at the start, Billy, is that selling your home privately in this way to a private buyer isn't going to be the right fit for everyone. But certainly in those situations where you need to move quickly, which I I often call it the three Ds, damage, divorce and death, where people want to move quickly, people need to move quickly and liquidate their house, which is actually the number one downfall of real estate is that it's not a liquid asset and so private buyers play a part in this can play a part in the market and providing that liquidity so for people who really need that and value that they may be willing to accept the hit not earning as much for that house or getting as much cash back from that property but if you need to move in those situations then it plays a function i guess Absolutely. And when we're dealing with clients who have medical issues or health issues or have family members that are terribly ill and they need help, you know, the last thing they want is the hassle of selling their house on the open market. They just want a result. And it's our job to provide them an alternative. Hey, here's a cash offer. Is this going to work for you? We can make a flexible settlement work. So there's a huge need for this service. Private buyers have been around a long time. There are a lot of companies out there. It's all about doing your research and really going deep on which one's going to be the right buy for you. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And make sure you tune in tomorrow because we're going to talk about the process of using a private buyer. So if you've decided that this is the right fit for you, then how do you actually go about doing it? How do you choose a private buyer to work with? We're going to answer all of those questions. Other thing I want to talk about, we are currently hiring here at Opus Partners. We are looking for property partners and financial advisors to join the team. And so if you are an authorised financial advisor, you've got your Level 5 certificate, then drop our general manager, Ollie McKenna, an email. His email is ollie, O-L-L-I-E, at opuspartners.co.nz 
or send us a text. We'll tell you his email again over then, 5522. It'd be great to hear from you because we are trying to help more Kiwis get good financial advice and make smart property investment decisions. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 